space. The final frontier. Final frontier. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Let's fly. Engage. Headed. For generations, the Federation has sought out new life, new civilization, to reach for understanding. Fascinating. When we seek out the unknown, we will find things that challenge us. With brightness. But we do not give in to fear. We make our stand together. I think we make a pretty good team. Join us. You always wanted to see the stars. Look up and let's see what's out there. We have come a long way, Captain. This can be your new home. Yes. All of you will go where no one has gone before. Make it so. Make it so. So show me what you got. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Monday, November 7th, 2022. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. No more of that daylight saving stuff. We're back into standard time. I wish I would get rid of that because that's a pain in the butt, but for the time being. Uh, so we're back on Eastern Standard Time. And we've got a great show planned for you guys. It's episode 497. Can you believe it, guys? 497. Wow. A lot of episodes, Jim. Yeah. A lot of episodes. (laughs) Jeez. So episode 497, and this is Comic Corner, and we're going to be talking about, you know, I really wish they had named this, this something different, because Star Trek number one, how many Star Trek number ones have there been? I lost Well, it. It's true. There have been many, but they kind of like when you look them up in the databases that the comic book places use, they will have a year attached to them. So it's like Star Trek number one, 1992, Star Trek number one, 2022. So you can keep track of it, but I, I don't disagree with you. Let's, let's give it I a mean, little bit of a unique moniker. Yeah. Yeah. If they had called it like Star Trek Afterlife or, or I don't know anything, but we're going to be talking about the brand new – IDW Star Trek number one series, um, which is an ongoing monthly book. And we're going to be talking about each and every issue in this new series tonight. We're going to be talking about issue number one, but wait, there's more. We're also going to be talking about Star Trek mirror war issue number zero. And we're doing that intentionally because when we start talking about the mirror war, we're going to cover them in twos. We'll talk about issue one and issue two, issue three and issue four, because they're two story arcs. So we'll cover them two at a time. So we had to get issue number zero out of the way before we could do that. So before we get too far, though, I'd like to introduce everybody. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. I'm coming to you live from Rutland, Vermont right now. And also joining me from Las Vegas is our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good, though I think it's a little warmer for Jim than it is for me today. I don't think Jim also didn't get the win, so. No, we didn't. Crazy. We didn't get any wind. And uh, also, we only have one part of our Portland trifecta with us tonight uh but we have our very own eric with us how you doing tonight eric you know what guys i am doing great i am super excited to talk about both these series uh one being a brand new one and one is kind of like us going back and catching up a little bit on some comics that we missed along the way so i'm super excited to talk about both these issues because i think they i think they both bring a lot to the table personally yeah we'll get back on track with our comic issues Uh, it's could take a little bit, but we're getting there, and eventually we'll be right up to date. But I do have some really awesome, really exciting news for you guys. Next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel, episode 500. 
actually it'll only be episode 499, but it's, it's as close to 500 as I could get it to work out. We are going, because we were talking before we went on the air live, my favorite, favorite, all-time favorite Star Trek movie is 2001 A Space Odyssey. So what we're going to do, yeah, that was a joke. My favorite, my favorite Star Trek movie is Star Trek. I was. Sorry, sorry about that. I was trying to find my mute button uh, because Jim has this weird obsession with Star Trek Five. So uh, we're gonna see. Yeah, uh, so, we're gonna see what happens here. Yeah. So Star Trek Five is is the movie uh, that I, is my fallback. I just love the movie. And so for our special 500th episode, 500 episodes, Star Trek Five just kind of has a good ring to it. So um, I was hoping that we were going to be able to get. My favorite Klingons from Star Trek V, Claw and Dixes <laughs> together. Unfortunately, um, we, that couldn't happen. But we are going to have very own Dixus will be with us. Spice, Crosby. And she is awesome. She is fun. She speaks Klingon. And we're going to talk with her about what she's up to today, what's going on with her life now. And, of course, we're going to talk Star Trek Star Trek, Star Trek. Our phone number is the same, 646-668-2433. So put that in your speed dial. Give us a call up tonight if you'd like, What definitely next Monday, and talk to Spice Williams Crosby. Ask her to speak some Klingon for you. Ask her about William Shatner's directing. Um, (laughs) Whatever questions you have for her, uh, please give us a call at 646-668-2433 and ask her. She'll be with us for the full hour. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So please join us next Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll have all that information. Actually, it is already uh, posted. And Eric, where can our fans go to find that information? Uh, Jim, I think this is just great because we have procured trektalking.com, which just exactly matches up with our podcast. So you can just simply go to trektalking.com. That will give you links to our Facebook page. It will give you links to our previous 490-something podcasts, which go – Go into the Wayback Machine. Find out when Charles joined. Find out when Eric joined. There's a lot of love back there to uh, partake in. So, yeah, tracktalking.com is your one-stop shop for all of our stuff. That's right. And you can find, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram from trucktalking.com. And I have a nice little blog set up there, which is I'm currently working on. So there's, you know, it'll grow as we move along. So keep an eye out at trucktalking.com. All right. Well, that's enough with our housekeeping for tonight. Um, who wants to start issue zero of the mirror war? Who has that issue in front of them? Well, I got it. I got it handy here and uh, I'm happy to let Charles take the book that we're really here to talk about, but uh, I'll take the transitional book if that's okay with Charles. Um, So what do you think, Charles? What do you think? Sure. Awesome. All right. All right. So uh, Mirror War number zero is a what I would call a kind of bridge comic that takes us from the previous Mirror War comics that we've enjoyed from IDW, uh, which started out, of course, with the Mirror War, which was that beautiful, um, you know, uh, J.K. Woodward illustrated uh, set of of stuff uh, that was just uh, amazing, fun story, etc., uh, and then we moved into Terra Incognita after that. Terra Incognita was, uh, you know, more of your traditional, like, illustration style. Told a great story about uh, our good friend Reginald Barkley, among other things. Um, and it brings our mirror uh, TNG crew, which includes all the players, your Datas, your Rikers, your your Troys, and of course your Picards, uh, in their mirror forms, and it it uh, kind of transitions out of Terra Incognita and transitions into what will become the Mirror War series. And at this point, the Mirror War series is complete. Uh, they have eight issues that are out. 
And they also have, I believe it is three, I forgot to double check. Let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, three issues. issues. No, four issues, I'm sorry, that have five issues that are specifically named character issues. So, for example, they dive a little bit deeper into data. They dive a little bit deeper into Jordy, uh, et cetera. Uh, but the eight issues of Mirror War plus issue zero, so that's what it is. There's nine plus four. Um, is what it is. So nine issues of Mirror War. So this one is the one that kind of starts it all off. And it's a pretty cool issue. Um, we've got our classic team up of writers, Scott and David Tipton. Um, we do not have our uh, typical Angel Hernandez illustrator in this one. We have an artist named Carlos Nieto. And I admit that I have not gone into Carlos's um, uh, career. I, I did not have a chance to do my research on that, but please go check out his stuff because I think that the art is uh, is pretty decent in this one. Uh, some of the likenesses are just a little tiny bit off, but uh, in general, I think he does a really good job of, of capturing people's likenesses and poses are dynamic and the art's really good. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. So, um, so kind of you're a good team here. And um, I'm not going to take you through the entire story because I think that you should absolutely read this comic because the Mirror War um, series to me is just another awesome, fun romp that shows you, okay, what would Picard be like if he was from the Mirror Universe and how would he lead his team of individuals um, through various adventures uh, to procure plunder? You know, they call it plunder. <laughs> um, profit for themselves, essentially. Um I will give you just kind of a couple of highlights that I thought were pretty cool from this book. So it starts out with Picard and the team in spacesuits, kind of doing like a um, an extraction type thing. So I'm always into that kind of thing. I like the Space Marines thing, and you get a little bit of like Mirror Universe Space Marines X-esque uh, action in this one, which I think is really cool. Um, after they kind of move from that adventure, you get into a part of the book where Picard has to check in with um, with the powers that be. And of course, in this mirror universe scenario, I always think it's interesting because each captain is basically kind of out for themselves, right? And the way you rise to the top is to actually kill the person <laughs> who's above you. We know this about the mirror universe. It's well established that that's kind of how things work. And yet Picard is kind of forced into still checking in um, with Imperial command. Uh, and there's a Vulcan there kind of telling him what to do. So I think Picard, mirror Picard has some resentment about that. Um, in this issue, you get at least one attempt on Picard's life, which I think is very mirror university. And the cool thing is that, you know, if you haven't read any of these TNG Mirror Universe comics yet, um, Picard is super buff. Like he's very muscular. He's got his sleeves cut off. Um, he's a he's a little bit of a. He looks kind of like a WWE wrestler <laughs> instead of the Picard that we all know and love. Um, and so you know he gets stabbed with a bunch of knives and he just like whatever. Um, it's no big deal. Patch me up, Crusher, and let's call it a day. Um, Towards the middle of the book, you get a really cool view of what Mirror Universe uh, San Francisco looks like. Uh, I like the big gun turrets on the top of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. I think that's kind of cool. And we find out who the Mirror Universe Emperor is at that time. And it turns out that it is uh, our esteemed uh, Necheyev's father. Uh, he is still around, completely impotent in his power. He, he doesn't speak the entire time. Only people around him talk. So it's kind of a weird situation where obviously he's just a body and all the people around him are kind of running the show. And Picard's like, you know what? This is stupid, man. I should be emperor. Uh, Riker, you want to help me out? And they say, uh, yep, let's do it. Um, you get a really cool scene in here that I like quite a bit with Data and Troy, because remember, Mirror Troy is not Counselor Troy. She is Inquisitor Troy. And in some ways, Mirror Data kind of opens up a little bit about some feelings here that he's having about the situation, and Inquisitor Troy chastises him for it rather than um, – kind of offering him counseling, which is what the Troy that we all know and love would do. So I do like that because I think it's a, a clear um, 
rendition of what the mirror universe is like. Uh, later on in the book, we get a little check-in with what ha- was going on at the end of Terra Incognita. Uh, if you didn't read those books, there's a Mirror Barkley. There is a Prime Universe Barkley. Um, Mirror Barkley's not a good guy. That's all I'll tell you. Keep on reading. Because um, <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty nasty. Ties him up, does some weird stuff. So, um, And then, yeah, later on in the book, we get uh, Picard kind of like, you know, deciding that he needs to he needs to kind of take it to the next level so he goes and he beats up some people and we kind of lead our way right into issue number one um which we'll talk about uh at some point um which is kind of a cool overarching arc all about that crew and a specific mission that they're trying to accomplish so the, I, I think this book is pretty cool. Uh, I do like the art in it quite a bit. Like I said, some of the likenesses are just a little bit off. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, it's always nice to see Picard looking exactly like Picard, but um, Picard's, I don't know. It's like the one likeness that's not entirely captured accurately, I think, in here. I think he does a decent job with Riker, does a decent job with um, Troy. Even Gomez looks like Gomez, um, but for whatever reason, Picard is just a little bit off. So, um, so good book. What did, what did you guys think? I'm interested to hear. Well, well I, I was I, just looking. Oh, go ahead, Charles. No, go ahead. I was looking. I was going through my books and grabbed and said, "Oh, let me look at Terra Terra Incognito Six. Yeah. And you see exactly where Terra where this book takes right off from that issue. Totally, which I think is great. We, I love that continuity. Yeah, there's a great continuity link in there, and the story keeps going. Actually, if you enjoy this series, I actually recommend people going back. You can get them digitally, or you can get the trade book. Get the Mirror War. Get yeah. the Mirror War. Get through the go through the Mirror War, and then go through Terra Incognito. And it's a great series. TNG never got to experience a real mirror universe. Here they do. And here, I think, is the direction they probably could have gone with the mirror universe. And, Charles, I love that your suggestion of actually going back to original Mirror War, even – or, excuse me, uh, original um, – uh, sorry, I lost the name of it – pre-Terra Incognita. Uh, the yeah. Why did I just lose the name of it? What's the name of the company? Into the mirror broken is what that mirror was. Broken. Mirror broken. Mirror broken. JK, I, yeah. I appreciate. Remember you. we yeah, had exactly. we had J.K. Woodard on the That's podcast. He did the, That's yeah, right. He did the art in that, and uh, yep. If I remember correctly, there were many stories in that one about Spock. Yes. And what yes. happened after there Kirk was, gave him the there was, mirror universe Spock, yeah. There was the main yep. storyline and then there was a second there was a story there's a B story that dealt with Emperor Spock. Yeah. So Mirror Broken is definitely like for the art alone, I would recommend that trade and it's available at your local comic shop. But Terry Incognita, like you were saying, Charles, that's the one that really leads into this one. Yes. But you you have a better understanding of what happened in terra incognito because of broken. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't understand what happened in broken until you actually read. You read broken and then terra incognito just flows right into it. Well, this yeah. one now flows right into this. Isn't that cool? There's three books in a row that with different titles that have in some ways had different focuses, but each one picks up where the other one left off. So they've created a new continuity here that we didn't have before. Exactly. And it's, don't forget to find if you if you can find it, you want to get the book that started it all, the free comic day book. That's what mm-hmm. started this all. And it was the mirror broken. You're probably going to find that in the trade comic book, hopefully, because that's probably going to be a very hard one to find, except digitally. Yeah. 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 Oh, plus. Plus the data issue, which I'm not sure if they ever released digitally 
uh, for Mere Broken was actually a uh, one of those collector boxes. And yeah, it was. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. It was a uh, yes. loot crate. It was a loot crate comic. Yeah, I forgot and about that. You the whole reason I ordered head. that stupid loot crate was for that dumb comic. <laughs> I actually did had to get go it? Fight on. I did. Yeah, I got it. I actually went on eBay and bid for it and got a copy because I won the copy of it. Nice. Yeah, a lot, lot of great mirror but, stuff out there. And Mirror Broken yes. goes all the way back to 2017. So we're talking like these Mirror Universe comics have been in development for the last five years. And um, and it's fun because they were put out at a pace that you could actually – like there would be several in a row, and then there would be a couple of months break, and then they put several in a row. So you kind of felt like there was you know, a continuous, more or less continuous stream of Mirror Universe comics coming out that were all TNG-based. And it's just fun to kind of see all of these squeaky clean characters in their yeah. Mirror Universe versions. You know, well, I, I have to t- – yeah, go ahead, Charles. Yeah. I was going to say Data is my even, personal favorite, but I, I don't know. I would love to hear what you guys love. I've, I even went and bought somewhere in my collection is oh, cool. the Enterprise – I forgot what it was titled. It's a Terra Incognito Enterprise. The ISS Enterprise, yeah. ISS. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was ISS Enterprise. Yep. Unfortunately, my favorite character isn't in these. Well, not directly, anyways. Um, Who's that? Barkley? Worf. Worf? Oh, Worf, yeah. Worf's oh. Not. Yeah, well, when they well, when they got well, his own thing going on. <laughs> well, when they when they when they do when they when they go to complete their mission, yeah, yeah. when they attempt Shh. their mission, not too many spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> then yes. chance to see the Worf, but we don't actually see Worf James in the mirror universe because he's cruising around on his cruiser there uh, with the Cardassian. So yeah, it's a slightly different Worf. But that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so do you guys have a? I'm curious. Do you have a personal favorite character in these kind of TNG uh, mirror universe books? Data is my favorite. I loved the storyline of him from Mirror Broken, where he goes and he finds uh, old Mirror Spock. Uh, that to me was like one of the better storylines. But I just also love the fact that he's kind of like you take this cold logical being and you put in the desire for profit, like you Ferenganize him just a little bit, <laughs> which is what the mirror universe does, right? It makes people greedy for profit. Um, and you get a totally different data, which I think is fascinating. Well, what, who do you guys like? Well, you have to remember this data, is, this data has Borg implants. He's part Borg. Yeah, which I, so he makes he, it, yeah, go ahead. Which is in that one book we picked up, and I think they rediscuss it in mm-hmm. one of the da- the data issue again. Yeah, they do an origin of mirror data um, story, and you kind of learn that the reason that he starts using the Borg implants is that he realizes that they're ridiculously powerful, and that it's one of the the in the same way that our data learns to be human by observing the people around him mirror universe data learns to be human by observing the people around him <laughs> and those people are yeah. very very different yeah so i think that's fascinating it's like one of those classic like darwinian you know nurture stories like take the same person plop them in a different environment what happens uh, yep yeah Exactly. Well, the, the, my character in the Mirror Universe is going to probably catch you off guard, but I really like what they did with Wesley Crusher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. How they actually made made Wesley this uber, like, super intelligent, really super smart whiz kid and mm-hmm. um, hiding in the guise of a quiet, shy, Tilly type of character. But underneath that, he's like the smartest guy around, 
and Beverly's trying to protect him from from being used by the rest of the evil people in the in the uh, mirror universe. So I really like what they did with that character because I feel that Wesley doesn't get enough love on TNG. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that they they really made up with that in the comic book by making him this really um, uh, important cog in Picard's wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, even issue even issue zero. He he's definitely mentioned, definitely an important character in the storyline. Yeah, I like what they did with him. He and Gomez, he and Gomez are thanked because of helping to rescue the mission. And I'm pretty sure he's flying yeah. in here. So. Yeah, I like that they brought Sonia Gomez into this uh, series. I thought that was that was pretty cool um, because that's one of the characters that we've talked about several times on the podcast that is a little bit of a fan favorite. You know, it's adorable when she spills the coffee on Picard. Um, so it's fun to see her mirror universe counterpart here making some contributions to the, the crew who is out to uh, find profit and plunder. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book and I highly recommend it. I recommend like exactly what Charles says. You, you, you need to go back all the way back to free comic book day book and catch up on them. And then you'll, you'll, you'll be right in line with the story because it flows really nice from free comic book day, right straight through to mirror war zero and beyond. So I, I recommend that you, I don't know, Charles, if you, if you get the mirror war collection on comicology, does that include, the the loot crate yes. data and free comic book day. I... Are they all in there? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I, have to... I don't know. I know that I know that it's only eighteen bucks to to go out to your local comic shop and purchase the original series, the Mirror Broken, which I believe was six issues, if I remember correctly. Um. So that's pretty good, you know, three bucks an issue. That's less than it costs you to buy them originally. And the Mirror Universe collection, which I think includes both of them, if you buy that in paperback, it's 27 bucks. So that's not so bad. Comixology, it's cheap. I'm not going to lie. It's 14 bucks. It's 13.50 on um, Kindle and Comixology to buy the entire universe uh, Mirror Universe collection, but I'm not sure. Yeah, Charles, I'm not sure if you know if it includes that free comic book day one or not. I think I acquired that separately. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? You should you should be rewarded for being there at your local comic shop on free comic book day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, what do you do, Eric? Do you recommend this to our listeners? Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to give this book a ten. This particular issue, I can't wait to talk about future issues. But this particular issue, I would give a solid eight because I think it's a really good transition from that uh, Terra Incognita series into a series that now we have foreknowledge of, and we know that it's a really good series. So eight, eight from me. Yeah, I think you're about right. I think an eight is a, is a really fair score, for sure. I think there's some better ones we're going to talk about later. But I think as a setup, I think an eight is perfect. Absolutely. How about you, Charles? I think an eight works. Wow. We're in agreement. And, and, uh, <laughs> I don't think what did what did Paul give this one? Does anybody know? Uh, he well he didn't he didn't necessarily give it a number, but what he said. Uh, well, actually, he didn't say anything about this particular issue, but he has some comments on the next one we're going to talk about, which we can bring up. All right. So, Charles, let's dive right into Star Trek number one. Okay. I had to look up. I know issue zero is available on Comicology. I don't know about the data issue. Okay. All right, Star Trek number one. Okay. Star Trek, Star number, Trek one. number one. And I love the quote in the, in, in the uh, inside page. All good things must come to an end and then begin again. So we get yeah. a 
we get an idea that we we know we're dealing with Cisco, but you're kind of dealing with Cisco in sort of a unknown location, which we know from the storyline. Okay, he's with the prophets, and then realize something's happened. We jump over to DS9 where Kira and Jake are reminiscing, talking about the fact that he's tried the stories about the Dominion War and nobody's really shown interest. And they're looking out the wormhole and turn around and all of a sudden there's Cisco out of nowhere. He reappears. There's something that he knows He's confused, and he kind of is coming in like he's not sure what's going on. He reappears from the prophets at snap of the finger, and he's back. So we're kind of like, okay, something's going on. But it's a good moment between father and son, and you see the fact of how he's treated by people. He just reappears, and so the tests the doctors have to do, how Starfleet acts, how the Bajorans act, and he just realizes there's this one thing. He has a nice little talk with Jake and realizes he's got to do a mission. And who does he who does he go visit? <laughs> the person that assigned him to the station, Picard. And Picard's kind of confused why he would go to him. But realizing that there's something Picard can do for him, for Cisco, in dealing with his issue. And Picard's like, okay, we know who would, we then I know what you need. But you're gonna. I'm gonna assign you a first officer, and I won't. I'll let you find out who the first officer is. But I thought interesting. I'm not sure. Was it in the comic where we saw the off saw the first officer, and then you saw a commercial for low or an ad for lower decks? Did that happen for you, Eric? Uh, interesting. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yes, I, usually, it did. I usually get. I usually get. I usually get all of my ads at the end of the comic. Yeah. This one is actually was in the middle of the story. Oh. I see the picture. I. I see the it picture was confusing. of. I saw the Wasn't picture of the gentleman, and then we went to commercial. I got oh, a one-page commercial break. Yeah, for Lower Decks. And you got one for Lower Decks, so in the printed version of the comic, you get a commercial in the same place. You get the one shot of the first officer on that page, and then on the next one... I'm talking the digital. I'm talking... Right, and I'm just... Right, and I'm just giving you the the counterpoint on the paper version, which is that there's actually a break in the same place, but it is not for Lower Decks. It's actually an ad for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. Oh, jeez, how... How different could that be? Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> no, we got a full-page ad for Lower Decks. Yeah, we got a full-page uh, ad for the Armageddon game, whatever that is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cisco and Number One are having a discussion and lead to see the new ship. Yeah. The USS Theseus. Theseus, and yes. I just, and I thought, very interesting... Because this is not a USS class ship. And well, 1987, it's not a it's not a original ship. It's one of the old Enterprise era ships. It is commissioned uh, 90 years before right now, I believe, or more. Yeah, it's an oldie, but a goodie. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a great story about how it kind of gets to where it is now, also embedded in Yeah, we, we 
Our fans can discover yep. that when they read it. Yep. A great schematic, a great little history on it. And eh, I think I'm going to try keeping spoiler-free in it. You hear about the engineer. <laughs> and we look at the engineer, it's like, oh, man, what a choice of engineers. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's going to make this comic good. And then, actually, we get a, just, as soon as we see uh, the engine, a quick look at the engine, we get an ad for Star Trek uh, 400. We do not have an ad in the same place at all. It's just continuous till the end. From now well, on. I'm I'm so used to comics always being continuous. Yeah. This is the first time I have gotten an ad actually in the middle of a story. Which is so funny because remember, guys, that's the way comics used to be, right? You would always yeah. read like <laughs> six or eight pages now, in, and there'd be an ad. And Charles, when you um, when you read them on Comicology, do you have it set up so that you tap on it and it just goes from from panel to panel yes. to panel? Yes. That's, that's right now, I, I'm looking. Right now, I'm looking at the full page, but when I read it, I do go panel to panel to panel. Yeah. So when when you because, hit when you hit next, and this full page ad pops up for lower decks, it's literally in the middle of the book because mm-hmm. you're reading a lot of boom four decks, and then boom issue four hundred, and that usually doesn't happen until the end. No, usually they're at the end of the book. Right. So. It's, I guess they figured nobody was reading them when they only put them at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to, we get to meet the bridge crew, and there's some definite interesting little tie-in in the bridge crew. Mm-hmm. And in Dorian, a lieutenant which we've known before, a ensign that's a Vulcan that's a very interesting character. And we get a doctor. And I loved seeing her pop in. And kind of like, nope, you can't take command yet. Not until I approve you. And so there's an interesting discussion with the bridge crew. And it rather shows Cisco's kind of open to what the discussion's about. So they get some good good discussions and start trying to find what the prophets told Cisco to look for. And they take some time to travel there. And we end up finding the crystal entity. But they're not attacking us. There's something going on with them. And let's go back to say it's too late. And it kind of confuses Cisco to why it's too late. He knows there's something out there. It's like, okay, do a better, deeper scan. Go look for it. And they find what they're looking for. And... Something happens to the crystalline entities, which is a bit of a surprise. And we kind of realize, uh-oh, something, this is not good. And to be continued. Dun, so, of dun, course, dun, dun, we're dun, ready. Uh, we're, so, of course, <laughs> we're sitting there ready for issue two. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this one's definitely right in there. Well, let's let's start off love, with. I want to I start off with what Paul page. thought because I don't I don't want to forget I don't want to leave him out because he's not here. Um, so Eric, what did Paul? What were Paul's thoughts on this issue? Uh, Paul said, "I will say that this Cisco centric Star Trek number one is one of my favorite Trek comics in a long time. It brings together classic elements, a super intriguing premise, and just." 
feels like good Trek ought to feel. So that's what Paul thought about it. That sounds like a 9.5 to me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So there we heard from Paul. So wh- wh- what do you think, Charles? I think it's a great storyline. It really – I like how the Vulcan kind of throws in some questions and Cisco's willing to sit there and discuss it. How Cisco comes back and we get to kind of understand what happened. And we get this good coordination and we're getting we're getting tie-ins from characters from multiple – Multiple series, which was in the head was in the advertisement for this book. In fact, the coming next month ad, I'm sure Jim's going to love that one. Of Did you course. know who was coming? Yeah, yeah. you know you're going to be ready for that one. It's not Cybot. But I love. <laughs> <laughs> Not Cybok. Yes. But it's interesting the fact that how they take characters from we take TNG characters, we take TOS characters, we take Voyager characters, and we all intermingle them into this issue. It's like, okay, let's pick the best of, let's pick the right, the, let's pick the and put them on the ship. We take the best of. And I think they've got a good setup there. And definitely the way the issue went, you get that ending and it's like, wait, 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 what happened? And we're done. It's like, yeah, I got to read issue two. I got to know what's going on. Something's going on. And it's definitely, I want to know what. Very good issue. This is going to be a good. If this if this is the start of this series, this is going to be another good series. What would you say, Eric? Uh, Charles, I can describe this book in exactly one word, and it only takes three letters, and two of those letters are the same letter, and that is wow. Um, so. Let's just start with the writers. Okay, so this is not your Tipton and Tipton team, and I love the Tipton and Tipton team. They are the ones responsible for all our Mirror Universe stuff. They have provided some great adventures and that kind of stuff. But if you go back to the comic that we all just really, really drooled over, uh, the last comic we drooled over was the Year 5 comics, and those were so good. The story was so deep. It took us to places uh, beyond, like, just adventure, right? It took us deep into the Kirk character, and then it brought back old characters and that kind of stuff. So these two guys, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, that have written this book are the same guys who wrote the Year 5 comics. And to me, you can Uh tell. Um, You can tell that the way the story is put together – you can tell the way it flows. You can tell that it has a kind of like philosophical, introspective kind of feel to it. And um, and we also have a different artist. So we are very used to seeing the fantastic artist Angel Hernandez in so many of our IDW comics. Um, here we have uh, Ramon Rosanas. Uh, Ramon Rosanas is our new artist for this particular series. I will tell you, in my opinion, the the simplicity of these drawings and yet the accuracy with which he captures likenesses to me is stunning. Um, I just think it's really good. Uh, I love the art. Well, yeah. And I would also, yeah, totally. Um, We have a new colorist. Well, I don't know if it's new. I didn't have a chance to look up Lee, but Lee Luridge is our colorist. And I would totally agree, Charles, the colors on this one too are like they what i noticed lee does is is they use a lot of kind of like colors in the same palette in the backgrounds and then use very um com 
not necessarily complementary, but like colors that kind of pop against that background so that the figures really pop off the page or the ships really pop off the page. Um, yeah. There's some very nice, like, simple, like, shadowing going on and that kind of stuff, which I assume Lee is also responsible for as the colorist. So um, I, I can't say enough good stuff about the art and just how I, I think the art really helps convey the story. And the writing. So Kelly and Lansing, the writing, uh, I think Charles did a great job of just talking about how great the writing is and how um, we take this Cisco character that we all kind of felt like we were done with. Uh, and we take him to the next level. I just think that's so cool. One of my literal favorite pages in this book is page three, which is actually the Jake Cisco kind of soliloquy on what uh, is going on. And it's kind of like the setup for the story. So if you've never seen DS9, if you don't know who Cisco is, whatever, doesn't matter. You can pick up this book and Jake Cisco on page three describes kind of where we are in the in the scene and i just thought that was brilliant because of course if you watch ds9 jake becomes or like aspires to become a reporter he's a writer uh i should say writer he aspires to become a writer in this particular comic that manifests as him being a reporter and i think that he's kind of like not sure if that's the right gig for him or not but he, yeah. he knows he likes to write so it, it it's working for him right now um and the way that they kind of bring cisco back it's no surprise that they bring him back there are some familiar touchstones that they kind of go through throughout this book which i think are are really cool and you can kind of tell that he himself is not really sure why he's here he's apparently yeah. been sent here by the prophets but we don't really know why, and even by the end of this issue, we still don't really know why Cisco's even back or what the what the sitch is. So I like that. Charles, you were right on. The bridge crew is amazing. I will not spoil anything you have not spoiled already. The one thing I will add to what you've said is I think the uniforms are bomber. They've got this cool, like, asymmetrical look to it that's all, like, black yeah. and red, and it's unlike any other. They've got the Voyager badge, so that, that kind of, like, standard Voyager badge, which has those two little bars on either side. But the uniform itself is unlike any other uniform we've seen, and it has the um, – instead of round pips on the collar, it has the the bars, which I always thought – kind of had like a cool look and actually one of the reasons that i really like the orville <laughs> uniforms is that they use the bars versus the pips so i just think that looks really slick so this is a fantastic comic guys um the art is great the story is great it's very interesting and what do we get at the very very end our teaser for the next issue is a jk woodward cover right that's got to be his it's the only guy that looks like that. There's a great picture at the end of my issue. Hopefully you guys got it in the digital of Cisco and Mirror Wharf, or not Mirror Wharf, excuse me, Cisco and Wharf shaking each other's hands. Yeah, um, yeah we, that's that, what I said, coming, coming up next. And that yep. was, that's what I said, you're going to be ready for this one. And, and that's a J.K. Woodward uh, picture for sure. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all over this comic. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I love where it's headed. Year five was so good. It was 18 yeah. issues of awesome. Like I've read, I've read and reread year five at least three times at this point, And I feel like I want to go back and reread it again. So um, it's one it of the few more comics. Than five, more than that, more than that issues. Wasn't it 18? Maybe it was 24. No. I can't quite remember. It was a couple of years worth either way. So, Oh, more yeah. than that. Yeah. Uh, so this is a this is a great book, uh, Jim. What did you think about this book? Ah, well, um, I hate to be the dissenter amongst the group, no. but it looks like <laughs> I am. <laughs> so it starts with Cisco. I'm filled with promise, and I'm like, wow, this is this is perfect. Uh, Cisco's in the temple with the prophets, and he's coming back, and I'm like, this is great. The, the the Jake and, and Kira thing. Kira was always one of my favorite characters on the see her again is always great, like it was when we saw her on lower decks. So I love that. I love that she's kind of mentoring Jake and he's still there with her. That's really cool. Um and then it goes downhill from there. 
it never really materializes with what I was hoping it would be from that point on. Um, we never got to see the the Cisco Kira like reunion uh, that I was looking for. He just kind of runs away on this on this mission and uh, leaves everybody behind, which I found disappointing. I understand why they did it, but I just found that disappointing. I I didn't like the crew composition that they put together. It doesn't make any sense to me why these particular people would be together where they are when it just doesn't make sense to me. Some of them, we have an idea of where they are at this point in time, and it's not here. And I found it disappointing because so far every Star Trek book we've read from IDW has been uh, has been perfect. Everything we've read from Discovery, all the TNG stuff has been spot on with what we know from the episode, except for this. Um, the engineer that's on this ship, um, we know where he is, and it's not there. And uh, I, I, it, to me, it just feels like a bunch of fan service to me. It's like, what characters can we pull from where and mix them all together in this in this stew? And uh, I, I I didn't well, I didn't buy it, you know. That um, was what the, that was that was the advertisement for that. Right, and I'm and you know I'm I'll maybe it'll get better, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, but as it stands right now, I I didn't find uh, uh, proper chemistry between these different. Um, uh, incarnations of characters like yeah and and of course the ship is over 100 years old to begin with um two which makes sense for one of the characters to be there but overall i just didn't find it to be as uh well i did like the crystalline entity thing when they got to the end and they found what they found i thought that was really cool i didn't see that coming at all that was a great twist I really like the Andorian character, and I really like the Vulcan character that they have on the bridge. Um, I want to see what's going on with that with that Vulcan because that Vulcan character isn't your typical Vulcan, at least the way I read him, anyways. Nope. He doesn't have yeah, that that the traditional bowl cut like every single Vulcan we've no, ever seen. No, he's got the he's looks he's, like he's, yeah, he's got the Ortega. He's got the Ortega. The shave sides, yeah. So I really like that a lot, and I and I really want to see where they go with this Andorian character. Um, so let me premise that by saying that, for me, I like to see when I'm watching Star Trek or reading Star Trek, I want to see new characters. I want to see them interacting with new characters, and the characters that they've picked, to me, feel like they're uh, fish out of water. They're in places where I don't think they should be. And I don't see them adding anything new to these characters that I don't already know. I would have much rather have seen a, a different engineer, a different doctor, a different helmsman um, that we could grow and learn from instead of having a preconceived idea of this character and what we know from them from the TV shows. That's all I'm saying. Maybe I'll be proven wrong and it'll turn out to be spectacular. But that's my take on it, which also has me worried about the Worf Defiance-centric book that we're getting to, because it seems to me like they're going to do the same thing. And that has me worried, but I'll go into it with an open mind. So that was my take on this book, basically. Yeah, there was Jim, some great moments. Yeah, you know? and I don't disagree with you. I think the I think the Defiant book is actually probably at the greatest risk of going into that. Um I, one of the things that we we haven't mentioned about this book that I think is kind of cool that also happened in year five is these references to ancient Greek myths. So year five definitely had Kirk kind of uh, drawing parallels between himself and uh, the Odyssey, if I remember correctly. And in this particular book, there's at least two references. One, the ship 
that they all are on is the USS Theseus, and of course, the uh, if you if you're just you know like a lot of people and you haven't read Percy Jackson in a while and you don't remember who your who your Greek people are, um, Theseus is a son uh, of Poseidon, and um, there uh, he's the one who has like the story about the Minotaur and and that sort of stuff if you remember back, and then. Um, the book also references Hephaestus um, with with Cisco just kind of saying the name Hephaestus. And Hephaestus is my personal favorite Greek god. Um, he's the god of blacksmiths and metalworking and carpenters, and he's like the builder guy. He's the one you see in front of the forge all the time. And um, apparently there's going to be some sort of connection there because posts, prophets go – it says Hephaestus, I believe, at least twice in this comic, and we don't really get any context for that. So we're going to have to see where that goes. Um, you know, Jim, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, I can see a little bit of a um, disconnect between where some of these people canonically should be, I think. Um but do they give us an actual time frame? Like, do they tell us exactly when this happens? So, for example, the doctor could be somewhere else, right? But there's no reason that that, that doctor couldn't, like, be on special assignment based on the fact that a god just came back from the celestial temple, right? Um, or, you know, if you're going to pick a first uh, officer and you're Picard – who's the person are you going to pick? Well, you're going to pick that person. So maybe that makes sense. Um, the engineer is a little bit of a reach. I'm not going to. Well, I think, <laughs> I think the fact that he might have chosen not to be out of retirement. Yeah, maybe. And so I mean, he the can't fact stop that working, maybe he right? got, he got yeah. tired of being retired, so he kind of yeah. moved on to a new older ship that's a little bit more his speed. And then our helmsman is, you know, we we don't, I mean, we know kind of that he is, it's possible for him to be there based on like the canonical time frame of all the people. But it is a helmsman that, to me, first of all, his rank is all off. Like his his he ranks as a lieutenant, and to me, he should he should be a higher rank than that personally. Um, and secondly, he seems like he's kind of in the same job that he's always been. So it's a little bit like uh, he. Uh, I w- of all the bridge crew that they introduced Jim, he's the one I would agree the most with you. I think the helmsman is the one that they got the most wrong. The other ones I don't really mind, and there's a couple new characters, so we, you know, we'll have to see. There is, I'm kind of interested in um, the two-page spread that they showed where Cisco first comes to the bridge, because for the first time that I can personally remember, on the far left side of that um, two-page spread is a woman who definitely looks like a Native American. Like she has some sort of like feather earring on. She has some sort of like thing in her hair that kind of like evokes some of the regalia that we've seen um, from some of the tribes throughout the year. So I'm curious if they're going to bring that character in more because I feel like that's maybe an underrepresented group of people that we, aside from Chakotay, who actually was played by a Mexican, right? Um, we maybe we need a little bit more um, trek from the actual like Native American side of things, which would be kind of cool. So anyway, that's my take. <laughs> well, I, my I enjoyed the book. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just felt that in this humongous Star Trek universe that we have to play in, yeah. why would these characters just happen to be there? And there's like so many others that. So, it feels um, a little fan servicey. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the book. Uh, I did like the, the ending with the crystalline entities. I'm not going to spoil that for you. And um, you know, overall, I think I would give this one a seven. How about you, Charles? Uh, I w- yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go with a nine on this one. I thought it was a strong start. Yeah, I'm more in line with Charles. I kind of I feel like it's a nine. Uh, good writing team, good art team. I didn't mind where they took it. So interested to see where where it's going to go. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our comic corner. And I just got to say one more time before we get cut off that you want to tune in next Monday because uh, we are going to have Spice Williams Crosby Vixus from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, unarguably the best Star Trek movie ever made. <laughs> Inarguably. <laughs> on, uh, 
<laughs> you're going to want to tune now, in. Now, hold on, Jim. <laughs> you, you are going to want to tune in on Monday to find out why. It'll be a lot of fun. And you can also find out at trucktalking.com. Um, everything you need to know is there. So I just want to take a minute to say thank you to Eric for hanging out uh, with us and talking about Star Trek comics on Comic Corner. Thank you, Eric. You bet. Thank you, guys. Always a good time. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and talking with us on Comic Corner. Thank you, Charles. Thank thank you. It was worth it. I love talking comics. Comics are great, aren't they? And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, making sure that you guys tune in on Thursday night, because Thursday night we're going to be talking about Prodigy, Let Sleeping Board Lie. So remember, resistance isn't always futile. So you're going to want to tune in Thursday night to find out what we thought about the return of the board, the Star Trek Prodigy. All right, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye, y'all. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.